would go with me to the book of John, book of John, and uh, verse number, uh, chapter 6, verse number, chapter 6, the book of John. I don't don't want to give my whole book of John's spiel, but it's one of my favorite books of the Bible because of the sort of all of the things that, uh, the context of John. It's, It's sort of just lumped in as a gospel, but there's so much more to it than just a gospel. Verse number, uh, chapter 6, verse number 4. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He already knew it. He already knew what was was going to happen. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? I want to just for a moment today talk to you on this subject man you stink man you stink God bless you you may be seated this morning I uh, obviously uh, my my wife just told the story and uh, most of you by now know that uh, two weeks ago today uh, she had to uh, leave, and uh, she had to head to Montana to be with her family, her father, during this uh, last little bit. And so we talked about it, and as much as I wanted to go with her to be with her, I have we have three small children, so I needed to, felt the necessity to be back here with them, to support them, to have to give them comfort, and sort of being at and, and my my parents and a lot of you were very helpful and supportive and and that's great but there's still nothing like having mom or dad around so I felt the need to stay and um, because of that not to bore you with the details of my life uh, they're all in school for the first time they're all in school and um, I had the duty which usually falls to my wife I had the uh, lunch making duty Yes. And so um, she's in the middle of trying to deal with her father in the middle of texting me lunch menus of stuff she puts in there. And so I'm making lunches. Got my little apron on. Hey, maybe, maybe not. You never know. Uh, And I'm making lunches and I'm putting stuff, um, getting them together. And and I got lunches and and I've got all that stuff. And, and, um, send them off to school and and uh, come home. And my wife established has, has established a routine. And when you come home, you don't just leave your stuff everywhere. Bring your stuff up. We need you to bring your lunches up. And um, put it uh, put it here on the counter so we can deal with it and make sure uh, we can get the lunches made before we have to get up early the next morning. So the beginning to bring the lunches home. And I knew this sort of, but it just sort of, I got to deal with it firsthand. And that was the fact that when my 
when, we, when, when the lunches returned, and I put them on the, on the counter, and I began to go with them, I'm noticing, I'm packing you food. But you're not eating everything I'm packing. And so I noticed that, especially the two little ones, and Noah, I'm like, how are you going the whole day and barely eating anything? I'm like, he's not eating, he would barely eat half his lunch. And, and so um, I'm starting to notice this and figure this out. And, I, and, and we'd pack them a, a drink and they wouldn't drink it. Or you pack them the same, they would I'm thinking, are you guys okay? Yeah, yeah, we were, we're fine. I'm thinking, and I guess the, 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 the great scientific discovery I found out was they're okay. They're, they're making it okay. They're not hungry. So I take the context of that, and, and, and I look at the story, and I, and I know a lot of the times this story is built on the fact, and it is a huge part of it, that Jesus did such a miraculous thing, and such a wonderful thing, and such a miracle watching God take something so small and multiply it. And that's, that's probably the big picture of that moment. But I, I want to just for a moment today, if I can, I want to focus on that boy, that little boy. We don't know exactly how old he was. The Bible doesn't say. The word lad there simply means a child, a small child, a little child. We know biblically, and I, I, I double-checked this. I thought this was the case, but I double-checked this with, with Brother Trombley uh, to make sure. So if it's wrong. He, he, he's, he's the one that told me. And no, I'm just joking. Um, that biblically, that a boy became a man somewhere around the age 13. It, there wasn't an exact number, but somewhere in that age. So we know that he was, he was young. He was a small child. Whether he's six, seven years old, the Bible refers to him as a child, a small child. And i got to just take a... The Bible doesn't tell us this, but this is sort of one of the things I love to do with the Word of God. I, I, I am a... Uh, I'm a historian at heart. I love, I love to hear. I love to get into the story of of something. You 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 might see a a stone or a rock or an old building, but I want to know sort of the the history of that. I want to hear the story. I want to I want to capture the essence of that of that whole picture. And so that's sort of my my approach to the Bible. I, I read a text, and I really like to know sort of what's behind the text. What, what was going on? What was If I'm sitting there 2,000 years ago reading this, what, what is my mindset? What am I taking from this? And so I've used that a lot in my own biblical search to find the meanings and things that are in there from a historical uh, context. I was actually talking, there he is, back there I was talking to Brother Jordan Nash this morning. He was asking me some questions, and I was sharing this with him in a brief uh, capsule. I, I said, you know what, if I sit down today... And I write you an email, and I put in there the line, uh, you know, hey, uh, based on the condition of our world, uh, such and such. And I make that little statement, the condition of our world. I don't have to tell you, as the reader, what that means. You know. If you're living today, you already know, based off that little phrase, the condition of our world, you already know what that means and what the context of that means for me. But if you go back 300 years ago and that statement was written, that will have a different context and a whole different meaning. So it's important, I think, for those of us that try to read the, the, 
try to be students of the word, or if you be, you're becoming a student of the word, to understand that, yes, the Bible is divinely inspired, but the Bible was written to people at that time period. So, uh, not to get too theological and, and lose track here, but the Bible was written in high context. We read it in low context. Meaning that when we read the Bible, we're reading it as it was written, but some of the things in there were written to people that had a different understanding and a different culture and a different ideology that we do. And it'd be careful, be careful, when you take a 21st century mindset and put it into a first century book. You can get a little squirrely. That's why, really, the book of Genesis, the creation story, was not written to prove creationism versus evolution. I know some take it like that. There's a big debate between... But when Moses wrote that, he was not trying to prove creation, he was simply writing down as God put it in his spirit, and he wrote that down. He was not doing it based off of the, the argument of evolution. So be careful, even when we try to take the creation story and try to make that in an argument against evolution, because there's some things in that that the context gets a little squirrely. Just throwing that out there. Because it's important that we understand and interpret the Bible correctly. Anyways, so back to this little boy. So, he often gets, he's a nameless child, a nameless, faceless child. But just for a moment today, let's put a face on him. We don't know his name. What would be a good Jewish name? Jacob. Little Jacob. He gets up that morning... And if you look at the context of this scripture, you could probably argue either way, but it's my message. I like to preach it like I want to. If it's your message, you can preach it like you want to. This is just my opinion. It may not be right, just the way I see it. But he gets up that morning and the Bible talks about he had a prepared lunch given to him, which makes me think more than likely his mom and dad may not have been there. Because according to the apostle, the, when they looked around, that was the only lunch they could find. That was it. Right. wasn't like they said, look, we got a boy here, but he's got this, but his parents got that. And so this young boy gets up in the morning, and, and I don't know if he said, you know, if he, was, if he said he was going to go down to, to play at the local playground and, and heard about Jesus. I don't know if he got up intending to go see Jesus. I don't really know what would happen. But somewhere along the line, his mother prepared for him a lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. Now, I don't think it was like a loaf of bread you see in the store, but obviously it was something significant enough in those two small fish that were given to him as a lunch. Sort of back to my original story about my kids. I'm not sure why a child needed that much food, but his mom obviously wanted to make sure that he was prepared for the day, and so I don't know if she, the, the, the father had to go off to work and the mother stayed there with the other children, but somehow he got separated, in my opinion, from his family. And he's got this lunch with him. And it got to the point in time that obviously they had been there for a period of time 
that people started getting hungry because the rumbling started to happen where they actually made a statement, we better feed these people. So this boy, in my opinion, sort of like my little five-year-old, probably wasn't that hungry somewhere along the way. Because if he was hungry, he had already eaten it. So he hadn't even started to eat his own lunch. So the question comes down to, why did he have that food? And what was the whole thing orchestrated and all that to bring that child to that moment at that particular time and have what was necessary at that moment? Now we can get into the we can try to get into the psychology of the parent and we can argue back and forth and 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 we look at it from a 21st century perspective but but that was a first century parent. We don't know what was going through their mind, but obviously they wanted their child to have substance and he's sitting there with this with this bag uh, uh, filled with 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 five loaves and two fish. If you came in here today and in your purse or your bag, you had two fish. What are you going to do with those? Well, well, in case he goes a little long today preaching, I am prepared to pop something out and have a little sushi right here. I mean, scales and all. <laughs> but obviously, those around him weren't prepared, and he was. Those around him did not have what he had. And why he had what he had, we'll never know why he was given that. But the fact of the matter is, he had it. But in that context, now I know that back then, no one bathing was looked at different. There was no deodorant. There was no right guard. There was no cologne. There was no perfume. I imagine everybody stunk. And I'm sure the fish had some kind of preservative to them. I don't know if he just pulled them right out of the water, stuck them in his, then they're flopping in his pocket. They obviously had some kind of preservative to them. But let's be honest, I, I don't like, now I know some of you are fish people. I'm not a big fish person. I don't really like the smell of fish. And I certainly don't like the fishy taste of fish. That's a revelation right there. Fish tastes fishy. Just take that home right there. That's tweetable. Fish taste fishy. I don't like that because it just, I, I don't know. I, I, I have eaten fish on occasion only out of desperation. I remember years ago, and some, uh, um, um, Sister Lori was on that trip. I'm seeing who else maybe was on that trip there. She was on that trip. We went to Africa back in the mid 90s, or 94, 1994. And we did this crusade in the country of Zambia. And so as a, as a treat to all those that went on there, there's about 20 of us from the church, we went to this game park in Zimbabwe. And um, when I say game park, I'm not talking about like Disney's Animal Kingdom. I'm talking about this was legit, you know, the lion sleeps tonight. I mean, like, that's what I'm hearing in my head as like, this is like straight king of the jungle. You know, I'm waiting for like uh, Simba to come hold his. I mean, that's we're straight out in the middle of middle of it. I, I'll never forget the, the first night I'm laying there and I was actually some of you know this this man, uh, brother Ben Kimberl and I got 
teamed up in the, they call them rooms. That's a loose terminology. A room is a loose, it, it had four walls. Yes, it had four walls. But they forgot to mention that the walls were about that far off the ground. Which meant they're walls for privacy, but they're not walls for protection. Because I'm looking at that gap right there and I'm thinking of all the possibilities of stuff that could crawl underneath of that gap. The ceiling had a thatched roof and the wall stopped short of the ceiling. So there was another, I'm thinking of all the stuff that could crawl over it. And they give you this little mosquito net to sleep under. And I'm laying there, and I've tucked that thing in around me trying to create this barrier and telling myself, it's okay, it's going to be okay. And I remember we turned off the lights trying to go to sleep, and I don't know what happened. I think he had to go to the restroom or whatever. And I remember I'm laying there in the middle of the night, and I'm trying to sleep, but I'm not sleeping because I'm hearing, and this is legit. It's not making this up. You can hear the roaring and the growling and the stuff going on outside. You can hear it getting closer. You can hear it going away. You can hear the pattering of feet, not people feet. I'm thinking, if I just get out of here live, I'm okay. I don't really need to see these animals that bad. And I remember, man, he turned the light on. This is nothing. This, this has nothing to do with the message. I just like the story. I've, we're off the rails. I'll get back in a second. I remember laying there, and it's, I mean, there's no dark like African dark. And I'm laying there, it's pitch black, and he turned the light on. And when I saw the specimens that had attached themselves to my net, I mean, I'm talking about bugs you could saddle and ride back. I mean, I'm thinking, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. I will never forget, they took us out, and we went fishing out in Lake, uh, Lake Kariba. I can't believe I even remember that. Lake Kariba. We went out fishing, and they, they said, you got to go out if you like the fish, which I'm good with fishing under uh, several things. I don't want to bait my hook, and I don't want to touch the fish. I'll fish all day as long as you're doing everything. I'm good. You bait it, and you take the fish off, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to be, that's just, uh, so we're, uh, <laughs> we're fishing. <laughs> hey, come on, it's fishing. It's, it's semi-fishing. And we got these fish, we caught these fish, and we go to this meal prepared to us. They prepare this meal, and, and they gave us an option. Hey, you know what? You can either eat what we have, or you can eat what, what you caught. So I'm like, I don't know what you're cooking, but at least I know where that came from. So I had to eat fish there. I don't know in the last 23 years, I may have eaten fish two or three other times. So I'm not a big fish person. That's a long story to tell you. I'm not a big fish person. <laughs> but this boy comes in with these fish, these things that, that, that in my mind, for me, I don't like the smell of them. I've been to, to seafood markets, fish. I don't like the smell of that. But what became his smell and what smelled to him became the miracle that blessed others. And today in our lives, we've got stuff that stinks. I've got stuff that stinks. 
I've got some things in my life that I think, and Brother Lamone, I've got stuff in my life that was given to me that I don't really understand the purpose of why it was given to me. I've got things in my life that I was given that I don't understand in the context of the moment, the why. But when God looks at something, as my wife began to share this this morning in the context of her last few weeks, and she made the statement, God is never simply looking at the moment in our lives. God said, I see the end from the beginning. And the Bible goes on to even say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In God, there are no surprises. In God, there are no accidents. I even had this conversation. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It may have been with my wife. I don't know who it was. I talked to so many people after a while. I forget who it was. So if it was you and I didn't give you credit, I apologize. But we talked about plan A and plan B. And sort of like, what plan are you on in God? Well, I'm on plan D, plan C, plan E, plan F. In God, there is no plan A and plan B. There's just His plan. No matter what I have done and no matter the choices I have made, that has not forced God to go back to the drawing board and figure out, well, that won't work, so I'll go with plan B. In God, there's only one plan. Because in God, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel to say it today because it's not on the vein of thought, but we're flowing the Holy Ghost. The way God works, and you've heard me use this before, but I need to get, someone needs to hear it again today. Come here, Chris, you, you stand here, you stand down here, play God for me for a moment. You stand here, and I've used this before, I apologize for using it again. If he's God, and I'm here, and I'm walking in my life because it's a walk, it's a walk. This is not a run, this is not a skip, it's a daily walk. Some days it's just putting one foot in front of the others. Some days it's just planting your feet in the ground, not trying to go backwards. Alright, let's just call it what it is. But can I be honest with you, if I'm walking in the plan of God, and He has got a plan for me, and I'm trying to walk in that, yes, every step I take, that is according to His plan, but as a human, as a, as a, as a flawed creation with my fleshly desires and my fleshly stakes, I wish to tell you that every day that I walked in Him, and for the last 37 years of my existence, every day I have walked in perfect harmony with God's plan for my life. And so I see every plan. But can I be honest with you? There are times in my life that I was not walking according to the plan. I was in church. I was coming to church, I was lifting my hands, I was worshiping God, but my lifestyle and my decisions were being based off what I wanted and my own pleasures and my own desires. They were not according to His will for my life. Let's just lay it out there. So there were times in my life that my steps were not probably in the will, but they were deviated with my own flesh, my own desires, my own lusts, my own things that I was being taken from. And so then I find myself deviating from the path. And so if that's the case, I'm probably on plan 
triple Q maybe by this point in time because I'm already through the alphabet once. I've gone through it twice. I'm on the third round of the alphabet. If that's the case. But I don't stand here today with regret looking back at my life trying to figure out if I would have done this differently, would I be here? If I would have done this differently, would I be here? The only, only thing I know is standing here. I'm here right now and I'm standing where God has me to stand. If I began to look back and wonder if I'd have done this, I'd be here. If I'd have done that, I'd be here. If you do that game, God bless you, you're going to end up spinning in circles. I've used this term, I'll say it again. God did not call us to be archaeologists. Stop trying to dig up the bones of your past. It's not your job to dig up the bones of your past and try to read into them. What's buried, let God keep it buried. If he wants to reveal it, he'll reveal it. But if it's there, keep it there. Stop trying to go back and figure out what if I'd have done this or if my mom would have done this or my dad would have done this or if this wouldn't have happened to me and that wouldn't have happened to me. Maybe I'd be somewhere different. Maybe I'd be somebody different. Maybe I'd have it. No, you are who God has made you to be. And you're standing here today in the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not on plan B. You're not on plan C. You're not on plan D. You're not on plan E and F. You're in God's plan. Because when I deviate off course and I say, and I begin to recognize the error of my ways, when I say, God, forgive me because somewhere along the line I've strayed and I say, Lord, help me today. You know what he does? He erases all of those things and there's that path that I'm back on. He doesn't write a new path. He just says, here is the path. The devil wants to tell you, you know what, if you'd have done this differently, if you'd have done that, you know what, that boy's walking there today, and I don't know if he felt this way, but let's be honest, there are some things we're sort of ashamed that we even have gone through. There's sort of a shame that we even have dealt with, and, and I don't know if that boy felt that way, I don't know if that boy had that in his mind, but the fact of the matter is, is that God knew, he said, I already know what's going to happen. The Bible says that in John, he already knew what was going to happen. He knew there was going to be people that needed that. And so he, he spoke to a mom or spoke to a dad. said, give this boy these fish. I don't know if that boy looked at mom and dad and said, why are you giving me this? What do I need this for? I don't know. I just feel like you need it. And if it wasn't for that boy, that mom, that dad giving him that, we don't know what would have story. I'm sure he would have, Jesus could have turned a blade in the grass into a stake if he wanted to. But the fact of the matter is the impact that that had on that boy And the impact on you is that God will take what you have even though you don't understand why you have it. And you don't understand the context of why you have it. And I know there's a lot of you in here today when you compare your life to others, it seems unfair. Come on, let's just call it what it is. Let's stop pretending. You look at others. Some of you in here today have experienced great loss. While others in here today have experienced very little. And we can compare notes today and we think, well, that's not fair. Why is this? But ultimately, God is looking at things differently than you are. And you know what today? Don't judge me because I stink a little bit. Because my stink may become your salvation. Because if they would have said to that little boy, listen, 
dude, whatever you have in that bag, it just smells. You need to take that, throw it away. We don't, we don't, that's just a lot of, we got enough problems here. We don't need that stink. They may have missed out on something that was going to provide them sustaining for that day. If I look at you and I don't say to you or anybody and say, your stink's too much for me, I may be missing out on an opportunity that God will then use in my life. But if I look at my own stink and I'm ashamed of my own stink, I'm missing opportunity for God to use me as an opportunity to show His grace and mercy. Now, there's things in my life that I don't want you to know about. Yes, baby, yes. Are there things in my life that I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ? Yes. But I know, Tavon, I got some stuff that stinks. I got some stuff in my life that smells. I got some stuff in my life that I got to be honest with you, I even make my own stealth go, man, you stink. But can I tell you today, I would not, I don't say this because it's the moment and it's the right thing to say. I mean this with every fiber of my being. I would not be here today if it wasn't for the stink in my life. If I didn't have some stuff in my life over the last 37 years that smelled, I wouldn't be here today. And you know what? There are times I did a better job of covering that up than other times. There are other times, you know what? Get the shower of the blood of Jesus and wash us clean. That's awesome. Other times, deodorant and cologne can cover up a lot. Sometimes we use our own little things to cover up our issues for whatever reason. Because there are times that, but, but I don't want you to know that I have stink in my life. I don't want you to know that I have stuff in my life. Just, I try to keep, because you know what? I, it stinks. But you know what? Today I know I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. So if you ever walk by me and I smell, well, not naturally. Please tell me if I do naturally. I need to rephrase that. That sounded terrible. If I ever walk by you and you smell and I stink a little bit, don't judge me because of my stink because that stink will be my salvation. And you know what? There are going to be some stinky people in heaven and some good smelling people in hell. Because let's be honest, it's those of us, and I'm putting myself in that category, even though I'm standing up here and I'm supposed to be somehow, you know, Pope-esque in my life. Far from it. And I'm supposed to be up here somehow perfect. Man, I got some stuff in my life that flat out stinks. And there will be times where you're going to smell that and I'm going to smell yours. But you know what? I hope there comes a day 
that this church stinks to high heavens. I hope there's never a day that someone comes in and says, wow, this church smells so good. Because if that's the case, we've missed the point. I hope they come in here and they go, my God, this place stinks. Why? Because we need, I preached it a couple of year and a half ago, we need a church that stinks. Because you imagine, can you imagine I used this? I preached this a year and a half ago. I don't want to go back and preach something again unless the Lord tells me. But can you imagine you're on that ark and you're the, eight, the only eight humans on that ark? Can you imagine how bad that thing would have smelled? Oh, they had one window. One, one window. Have you ever seen an elephant go to the bathroom? Have you ever seen that? Have you seen big animals when they have to go to the potty? Where was all of that going? It was going in the bottom of that ark. Probably providing some kind of stability in the water. Great. Because the more it smelled, the more stable it became, probably. As funny as that is. The more weight that went in the bottom of the thing, the more stable it became in the water. But can you imagine how bad that, that smell was? But the fact of the matter is, God's never shied away from your stink. He's always been drawn to it. Because you know what? I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't have some stink in my life. And can I be honest with you? you won't stay sitting there unless there's some stink in your life. Because it's that stink that allows us to go to the shower of His blood. As Brother Trombley started off today singing, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart, it was there by faith I received my sight. You know what today? Stop trying, stop worrying about your stink. If you stink, you stink. Just give God what you've got. That little boy could have said, you know what? Well, who was it? It was Andrew. Andrew was the guy. Philip, who were okay, Andrew. Andrew was the, the disciple. I don't know if you'd have said them. Listen, I've got some food, but you know what? These fish you smell. Ugh. Just take the bread. But you know what he did? He gave him what he got. Had. He gave him the good and the bad. You know what? Jesus today doesn't just want your good days. He wants your bad days. Notice what's amazing about that today is five loaves and two fishes. What's that number? Seven. God's number. Seven is the number of completion in the Bible. Seven days. You know what? I, there's sometimes I get five good days in. Ish. But I average two. I average some two. I average two fish days a week. I, I got to admit, I've got two fish days every week. Call, I'm calling what they Some days where my flesh stinks, my pride stinks, my mistakes stink. I'm not before the Lord 
wailing before the Lord in great agony and prayer for those. I, I just, flesh gets the better of me. When I come into his presence, I can give him those five days of bread and try to hide in my pocket the smell of the fish. I can come in here and say, here it is, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the mistakes and the failures, and give it all to him. Because you know what? It's amazing about God. is He doesn't just want your mountaintops. He wants your valleys. He doesn't just want your good days. He wants your mistakes. Because he wants to take all of that. And he's going to take all of that and he's going to use that for you and for his kingdom. God can use my mistakes for his kingdom. Chris, if you come. So you know what? I'm not saying today that next week we're going to start passing out the microphone and say, tell us the bad stuff you've done. Have you done anything bad this week? Why don't you testify about that? Well, I was driving down the road, someone caught me off a traffic, and I just I couldn't help it. It just all came flying out. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not saying that would be the successful thing. But my point today is, would you give God what you have? You're good and you're bad. And stop waiting for the moment that you have all of the bad gone before you give it to God. Just give Him everything you have. And if you give Him everything you have, that's all He wants. If you give Him what you have. I often said this before. We, we, sometimes we pray, and I close with this. Sometimes we pray and we say, you know, let's pray and ask the Lord what, what He wants us to give. We're taking a special offering, you know, for some missionary that needs four tires for his van or whatever. Let's pray and ask the Lord what He wants to give. Some of us pray, but we're crossing our fingers. He doesn't tell us a number we don't want to hear. Oh, God, I, Lord, what do you want me to give? Please don't say a million dollars. Please don't say a million dollars. Please don't say a million dollars. You know what's amazing with that? Can I be honest with you? My wife and I, we tried to do that. And I've never had the Lord tell me to give something more than I had. There's been times he's asked me to give all of that. But he's never asked me to give more than I had. We're embarking upon a great season here. Historic, life, life changing. I feel like the ripples of what God is going to do in this congregation. I don't say that lightly. I feel like the ripples of what God is going to do in this group, through this group, is going to permeate throughout, not just any, I'm talking about, it's going to have a bigger effect than that. I'm getting, I'm already talking to, to uh, calls from um, Timothy Lee in Singapore. He, he, he's been watching what's going on, wants to know, how are you guys going to do that? I believe what God's going to do here is just, it's going to ripple. But you know what? To do that, it's going to take some of you who, who are struggling with just yourself. you got self things. It's not that you're mad at God. It's not that you're mad at the world. It's not that, you know, do you have problems? Sure. But you just, bottom line, there's just, just some struggle here. You, got, you, you, just, you just got some weakness in your flesh. Well, I, I, got, I got first thing I got to say to you is get in line. Some of you just hide it better than others. Some of you just don't do a good job of hiding it. Others hide it better. 
But there's some of you just struggling with you. you. You got some you problems and you're trying to let the Lord help you. But, but you know, most of the time you have a few more bad days than you do good. And you're trying, but you're trying. You're here. You're here. You're here. And you're not here just to go through the motion, but you're trying. We're about to embark on something that's so amazing, but that amazing thing needs people that are willing to step up to the plate and be a part of that. But you know what? Some of you already have disqualified yourself as not being able to do that because of the mistakes you made or what you've done. Or the fact is, well, you know, five years ago, if I would have done A, B, or C, I probably could be a part, but I'm on plan R by now. R-S-T-U-V. I can't do it. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, God wants to say, everybody just take a fresh start. When that, that prodigal boy walked home to that that day to his dad, his dad did not say, son, I love you, but before I put you back in place, there's been some stuff that's happened. I want you to go back and I'm, we're going we're to go through all of it. No, he said, you know what? Just let me have a start from here. That prodigal wasn't on plan B, plan C. He was still under the Father's plan. I'm telling you today, I'm looking around today, and this is totally switching from where I thought we were going to end up, and that's okay, following the Holy Ghost. I'm looking around, and I'm seeing people that God wants to use you. And this is a place and an opportunity we're about to embark upon where there's going to be more opportunity for you to be used than you can be used. And you can sit there in this and you can frustrate yourself and you can disqualify yourself. But I'm asking you today, just give God what you have. Give Him the stink. Because He's going to take that and God's going to use every one of you in this room that will let Him. I'm only saying today that if you would just don't disqualify yourself because the great blood of Jesus Christ is the equalizer. The blood of Jesus Christ puts us all on the same playing field. All of us in here today that are mistake free and all of us that have mistakes, we're all on the same playing field because of the blood of Jesus. Would you stand? As we close this today, would you just sing this with me? Oh, this is my desire to
moment I'm away. Say it. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I live. Oh, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Oh, Lord, have, come on, give it to him today. Give it all to him. Lord, I give. Oh, I give it to you, Jesus. Everything, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs. Oh, I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment. Oh, oh, Lord, have. Come on, let's sing it as a prayer one more time. Lord, I give. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. For you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have. Oh, sing it one more time. Lord, I give. I give you my soul. I live for you. to the Lord right now. Can you tell him that? Say, Lord, I give you everything today. I give you my good, my bad, my ups, my downs. I give it to you. Lord, have your way in me. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, I give it to you. Lord, have your way. Have your way. I give you my mistakes. I give you my failures. I give it all to you. Have your way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just love him. Can we do that? Can we give him praise and thanks? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Really quickly, one more reminder. I know a lot of you have things going on or other things that you're involved in. I understand that work schedule, whatever it may be. But I'm asking you, if there's any way possible. Please be cut back with us again this evening. These are vital, vital for you to understand what's going on. And so I'm asking you, if you would come back, Bishop Wright will be here with us tonight. He'll be speaking on the vision and we, we, uh, we're going to go forward, but it'd be great for you to be here to hear it for yourself tonight. So big act 6 PM. We're going to gather together again. The Lord bless you. Shake somebody's hand, greet them. God bless you. You're dismissed.